As older adults with vision loss, we understand your fears, your frustrations, and feelings of isolation. The Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss is here to help you as you pursue the independent lifestyle you deserve. For more information, visit www.aaval-blind-seniors.org or call 916-995-3967 for more information. AAVL, a supporter of the ACB Media Network. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good morning and hello, everybody out there in ACB land. This is Christy Crespin, and I am facilitator of the ACB History Book Discussion Group. We are talking this morning on Tuesday, July 27th, and we are discussing the book People of Vision, A History of the American Council of the Blind by James J. McGivern and Marjorie L. McGivern, copyright 2003, by the American Council of the Blind. This book is available on BARD, Bookshare, and through a thumb drive, or I believe in Braille and large print, through the American Council of the Blind Mini Mall. So get yours. I welcome everybody this morning, and I welcome Larry Gassman, who is streaming this morning. Thank you, Larry. And Diane Scalzi, who is our wonderful host this morning. And she will share with you all how to do all the good stuff like mute, unmute, and raise hands. Thank you, Diane. Okay, thank you. So um, if you want to raise your hand, the commands are Alt-Y on a PC, Option Y on the Mac. Um, on your smartphone, it's in, under the More button, which is on the lower right corner of your screen. Um, you'll swipe to the right until you find the Raise Hand button and double tap that. And on the Touchtone phone, it is star nine. Um, now, if you want to unmute, the commands are Alt-A on the PC, Command-Shift-A on the Mac. Um, there'll be an unmute button on your, uh, on your smartphone. Again, it's, um, it's like at the lower left corner of your screen. And on the touchtone phone, it is star six. Um, thank you. Christy, back to you. All right. Thank you so much. All right. So I would like to hear some takeaways. And I know that it's been a while. We had a wonderful ACB convention. And uh, so I was wondering what people took away from. Chapter 2, in discussion of the 
conventions and up to 19. Actually, um, go ahead and what is your takeaway from the book so far through chapter two, which addressed uh, basically through the 1954 time period? No hands. I know um, some of you have not read the book yet. Um, and, and I really encourage you to read the book. But I hope you all will uh, raise your hands and be a part of this discussion because otherwise I'm going to be pretty boring. So. Um, Christy, can I, can I make yes, a comment? Uh-huh. If I'm remembering, it's been a while since I've read that chapter, mm-hmm. but um, it, it seemed like at least, you know, back, back in the beginning that there was, um, you know, there was, there seemed to be, you know, reasonable harmony between the, um, I mean, the National Federation of the Blind, seem, you know, seemed to be kind of a happy family. Yes, indeed, it, it, it was. Is that Larry? It is. Okay. Uh, this is where it's starting to get interesting. I, I was almost going to say this is where it's getting good. But <laughs> that's not going to happen yet for a few more chapters. Right. But but right now the seeds of 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 no I wouldn't even say mistrust but I would say of of anger the seeds of wait a minute wait a minute there, this is wrong this is not right it's starting to build at about this point and eventually some of the things that were a big part of the civil war later on began to fester with some people at this point, uh, even into 55, and especially when you start to turn the corner into 1956, people had some ideas that they weren't happy about, but they didn't voice them yet. But you knew they were just below the surface. And so this is where it starts to get interesting in terms of a, uh, a problem with regard to, to NFB and those who, had, who were not happy with the direction in which it was going. Yeah. And, you know, Diane and I were discussing when I first got on the call this morning, and this might be um, an interesting time to, to bring this up. You know, uh, these guys were very, first of all, I, I also was looking at something else that I'll, I'll talk about later and I'll ask, you know, thoughts about. But um, mostly guys. Who who started the the NFB? It was all basically white guys. Okay, so we talk about inclusivity and diversity. But back in that time, there was no inclusivity, inclusivity and diversity. So it was a bunch of white guys who started this organization. And um, what kinds of personalities they had, you know, they had to be strong to push through. 
So we all know what it's like to live in a family of strong-willed sibs and strong-willed parents. And sometimes the people that get aced out are the quiet folks, are the ones that are more introverted, are the ones that may have just as good of ideas or even better. But the strong-willed and the vocal kind of push the quieter members down. And, and so all can appear as well in the beginning. And so 10 years plus was a long time for the honeymoon period. And they all seem to be, um, as you say, the ones that were the um, the ones that were the had the strongest will and everything. Well, it seemed like all the people in the in the organization were um, professional. You know, they had professional careers and or they were, um, you know, well educated. It certainly didn't seem like, uh, unless I missed something, that um, you saw many people, you know, who worked in sheltered workshops or anything like that um, being involved with the NFB. But this is normal. This is not just NFB. This is societal back then because I belong now to organizations who back then did some things that by today's standards would not be stood for at all. And it was usually the most uh, uh, outgoing people who were professional, who were involved in those organizations because that's the way they their personalities were. This was normal. <laughs> right. Right. Any other any hands raised? Come on, y'all. Join the discussion here. No, no hands yet. Okay. So. Oh, Larry, you have your hand up. Yeah. I didn't put it up. I'll put it down. <laughs> so I thought my hand was up. This is Jeannie, is it not? Let me look. Let me look. Maybe they're coming in out of order. Okay. Well, in the meantime, go ahead, Jeannie. Okay, thank you. Um, Well, this is my first time being in the group, so I'm assuming, although they say that can be dangerous, I don't know if we've already had a discussion on um, the intro material in Chapter 1. Yes, we have. Okay, Mm -hmm. but covering the whole book thus far, first of all, having gone to Perkins for first, second, and third grade, I've found it interesting that of course they um named some of the people that were instrumental in perkins and education for people who are blind and then i went to the california school for the blind for one semester and as i recall assuming it was the same person i think dr lowenfeld was the superintendent when i went there so that was interesting but what i also found fascinating that I think was in chapter two 
was where they actually started giving the chronological growth of the National Federation of the Blind. You know, the first year there were seven states and I think mm-hmm. the second year there were 14 and then 18. And it was it was fun to hear which states had come in and how it was growing and where they were mm-hmm. having the um, conventions. And I haven't totally finished the assignment. I used to be a teacher, so see, I should feel really <laughs> about that. But anyway, but I'm I've I've started chapter three, but I hadn't finished it quite yet. It's quite a bit of material to oh, go yeah. through, but yeah. anyway, but I'm enjoying it, and it is very interesting. Well, I've read it four times, and I, this time I've gotten through one hour and fifty eight minutes. Uh, so. Um, there's just so much and it's so packed, but you're right. And which, um, which California school for the blind location were you at? Were you at Berkeley or were you at Fremont, Jeannie? Oh, I'm old enough. I was at Berkeley. Berkeley. Thank okay. You. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and which is going to, to bring up an interesting discussion in chapter three. Um, you do have a couple so, raised hands now, by the way. Okay, you... good. And and we'll we'll go do this, and then we'll move on. Okay, thank you. Okay, so you want the uh, raised hands? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, first one is David. Okay. Oh, David, thank you for joining. Hi. Good morning, Christy. Good morning. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a controversial stand here because I I believe very strongly that this is a problem in both organizations that, that there are people who are very quiet. And, and don't have a say, despite our all of our talk about inclusivity. And I do believe that, unfortunately, that the leadership in both organizations, but it takes different forms, but the leadership in both organizations is very much entrenched, entrenched. And there is a very strong resistance to change. And I think it's something that we're going to have to really fight for, that people need to start thinking out of the box and need to look at new ways and new ideas and welcome fresh voices and thoughts. And I think the NFB, unfortunately, it began uh, sort of a, <laughs> it claimed to be democratic, but its problem was that its president became, you know, a life term kind of a thing where you were mm-hmm. president for 30, 40 years. Uh, in, in, in ACB, it's a little different. We're more democratic, I think, in a superficial way. But in many ways, we want to keep our traditions and we don't want to both organizations seem to be run by particular groups of people who have certain ideas. Many of them are very high achievers and the people who are in the sheltered workshops or are are basically workers and are not the professionals don't have that much of a say. And I still think this is an issue in both groups. So that's my controversial word for the day. Well, thank you. And I appreciate your, <laughs> I appreciate your input. And, and I feel and, just as, I feel just as guilty because I have, you know, expressed issues from time to time in, in different organizations. And I don't come from the, the worker standpoint either. And, and I realize that this is, is a problem. So. And being aware of the problem is how we make those changes. Right. So, so that's awesome, and I appreciate and I think and I think it's starting to happen in ACB yes. more, and I'm really happy about it. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Duffy. Okay. Um, next, we have uh, John. John. John? Okay. Uh, 
one of the things that, um, and I've, uh, I've read the book twice. I read it back in 05 and then uh, about one more time about two years ago. Um, I uh, liked how they had their fund raising, you know, the, I'm not sure how legal it is, but, you know, the whole, the whole failing of the cards and everything to get own Masons. I just thought that that was it. Interesting. It was an interesting concept. And unfortunately, um, we're getting cards every month from several organizations and we, uh, we just throw them away. Um, but back in that day, it was a very innovative way to fundraise. Um, what I, my husband though, when, when he gets one of those cards in the mail, if, if it comes with return address labels, he keeps those and then throws yeah, everything else away. Exactly. That's what we do. But we have so many return address labels. We've been throwing those out too. <laughs> um, Can I also make make the comment that you know as you go through the book you're you're going to see I think how much of you know what they did back in the infancy of the ACB how much of that has carried over today and you know you'll find out why they did it you know because they wanted to make it a democracy uh, you know a, de- a democratic organization I guess you might say I'm not talking about politics or anything but right Right. Mm -hmm. No more hands raised. All right. So um, I'd like to move into chapter three. And, and as I said, off the top, I will be, hopefully we'll get up to um, just through the 1955 North Carolina Federation of the Blind convention in um, I believe it was Greensboro, North Carolina. That's what I wrote. That's what I hope it is. If I'm wrong, uh, we'll find out. <laughs> so anyway, um, so the chapter three is 1955 through 1958. Hi, Seeds of Conflict. Hi, Livy. Um, I was going to ask you if you, do you have any um, takeaways from chapter two? Um, not offhand, really. It was just a lot of, lot of reading. In fact, I was reading chapter. That's why I was late. I was reading chapter three, and um, so we can move on. Okay. So, um, the first section is entitled "Early Warning Signals." So during the, um. During the 1955, during 1955, what changes happened and who were mentioned um, in in dealing with the early warning signs? There were two pairs of people who were mentioned, and why were they mentioned in terms of the early warning signs?
Well, um, yeah, go ahead and Libby. raise your hand. Yeah, okay, Libby and then you'll, and then, then um, Diane will call one in. One of them was uh, McDaniel. Yeah. And the other one was um, Archibald. Right. Uh, another one was uh, Card. Okay, no. No, not Card. Okay. Yeah, it was McDaniel and Gurchin. And do you remember? Yeah, Gurchin. Yeah. Gurchin mm -hmm. is the cards, right? The greeting card. Yes. And then Archibald. Well, no, I meant I meant card George card. No, no, no. But it, not 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 yet. So it was McDaniel and Gurchin regarding yeah. the greeting card situation. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then it was Archibald, Archibald and Burson. And yeah. so um, these were two prominent um, disagreements, and they were the early warning signs, the early warning signals. What was McDaniel's concern regarding and why? What was his concern with Gurchin? And the greeting card controversy. Well, I think it was back at the end of chapter two because it was part that I read, assuming you're talking about uh, the wording and referring to light and darkness and kind of the religious yeah, take. It was, yeah, that was very early in chapter three. It had been mentioned oh, briefly three, in chapter okay. two, but it was mentioned in chapter three about the religious overtones and the light and darkness themes. And he went to the point of saying, I can't condone this. And in fact, I don't even know um, if this continues what my reaction might be. So there's the, um, the dirge <laughs> that I'm hearing in my head or the jaws theme that I'm hearing in my head at this point. Uh-oh. Um, and then in regard to that, do what do you think? Do you think that the overtones continue? Or do you think that um, these were, this was addressed in NFB? What do you guys think? And then I'll give you my opinion. Any hands? Um, yes, Larry. Okay. Larry. I think it was addressed in the book. It said they came to a solution. They ironed it all out. Everything was fine. But uh, I, I get the feeling that this may have continued under the radar a little bit, as we say today, uh, because it was pretty lucrative. Uh, and I didn't agree with it at all, but... Well, actually, could I have? Yeah, just barely, because I it was like a year old at that time, if that. <laughs> but <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> but I, I think too. I think it continued on. I think behind the scenes a little bit, because they. I'm, it doesn't sound to me, based on what I read the first time and what I've heard, that they really wanted to let go of this. No, yeah, you're correct. They did not. They okay. wanted to appeal to a certain population. Okay, Livy. Livy. Um, I think from what I gathered, and just from reading the whole chapter, Christy, um, it's all about the money. 
And that seemed to be the crux of, of the issue, of the problem. And not, not only that, but the, I, would, I would assume to say power grab by certain individuals. And um, anyway, am thank I off you. base? No, thank you. And yeah, to my, add, oh, I'm sorry. Any, anybody else? To add to what Livy just said, uh, that's what I was going to say too. You know, she mentioned the money, but also I do think, of course, there was the whole power thing. I think that was very evident. Yeah. Weren't there legal well, issues with it too? That legal yes. issues with sending out those greeting cards that yes caused disagreement. Yes. And and there was very much a power issue at play because uh, Gurchin was making his own decisions about what to put and how to distribute the cards in in the literature, and um and I want to say that I still feel that proselytization proselytizing um technique um the religious overtone um, of AC of, of, of NFB being the, this is the savior religion. This is the savior organization. Um, any, anything that's done by NFB, no matter how great the article is, always has the same verbiage about being the 50,000 strong um, the only organization that is the blind mm-hmm. speaking for the blind. And you see yep. the same almost word for word verbiage in every article um, of NFB. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I say that it still has a proselytizing nature. Any hands? Hey. No hands. Okay. So my next question is, during an AFB meeting, Archibald reported, quote, the foundation has not yet learned the lesson that leadership can only be exercised by putting forth a bold, imaginative, and far-reaching program which will step-by-step, secure the adherence of the many, in quotes. What was that referring to? Livy? Uh, Livy? Um, I think it was, I believe it had something to do with the fact that that AFB was an umbrella organization uh, supposedly of other blindness organizations. Um, In other words, you know, they did um, um, that, I think it was the NS, whatever that was dealing with the national the organization about, you know, um, different organizations for the blind, like rehab or AFB or APH or, or whatever, and that they were considered the, 
you know, the umbrella organization and they'd been around longer than, than anybody. What were they trying to do? According to Archibald. I think they were trying, trying to kind of squelch uh, NFB. Yeah. They were trying to squelch NFB and not only was um, NFB uh, targeted, but other organizations and workers for the blind, um, they were basically in coalition with NFB because of the power grab for the decision-making and the funding process of the American Council of the Blind. Again, it's all about the money and it's all about who's in power. Okay. Comments? No more hands. Okay. Why was Burson in a, quote, disturbed state of mind with respect to his relations with the Federation, in quotes. Do you guys remember who Burson was, Brad Burson? Uh, We have no hands. No hands. He was a physicist. And they had an advisory board. This is, I had my hand up. Oh, Don, go ahead. Yes. Well, I, this is just what I had heard at the time. I heard this story from Jenkins a long time ago. But the, uh, he was really, Gertrude was really sweating when they hit him with it. And I, I gather he changed. He didn't want to lose his contract. Okay, but but we're talking about Burson, Bradley Burson, yeah, the the blind physicist, yeah. And they confronted him at the meeting. Um, they had a long meeting about it, and, and uh, he he was trying to raise money. Of course, he he had no that much interest in the philosophy, and I mean, I I never met him until we, we got kicked out of the federation, but. but uh, and he was very and so uh, and um, there was some more Jernigan insulted him but um, no 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 he I I think that problem was pretty much resolved yeah right but Don Don I'm, I'm asking about Bradley Burson Oh, Bradley Burson, the physicist. Yeah, physicist. the physicist. Yes. Why? Why was he upset um, about his relations with the NFB? I don't know. He was always upset. He was happy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, I mean, at the meetings, they they shut him up and kicked him out of. I remember back in, I think it was Kansas City, and he 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 made quite a scene. I met him. Back here a couple of years ago, not much different. Well, so what the what they said in the book was that, you know, basically NFB was using him. They used his status as a as a blind physicist, but they never invited him to participate in any of the board mm-hmm. meetings. He was on the advisory board, 
but they, the advisory board members were never invited to participate or to give their opinions. Um, and they, the whole advisory committee or board was not invited. Um, and wouldn't you think that if you were an advisory board, that you would be invited to participate in uh, NFB board meetings? Yeah. So that's probably why he was so disgruntled. If you look at it from his point of view, well, I got- lend you my name and, and you shut me out and they did shut him out. Yeah, they did. But he, he did talk a lot and uh, he kept coming back. I guess that was the reason he was interested in, in the group. I gave him credit on that. So, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if I'd been on a, a non-member, uh, just for the name, I remember uh, German, Jer- Jernigan, when he re- read his book, you know, Who Are the Blind? He he just went, loved to say T. Mumford Boyd. Oh, wait, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Anybody else? Okay, um, Donald, by the way, I'm sorry, I didn't see your raised hand. Um, No raised hands. Okay, what were some problems in Florida? Um, Yeah, what were some problems happening in Florida during 1955? Two specific problems. One having to do with where they were, where they are located, and what was going on down there in 1955, and one was having to do with some fundraising stuff. Okay, Livy. Well, um, I can't remember for the first question, but the second question, um, they were beginning to get... uh, there were some fraud allegations and they were beginning to get for NFB under the, uh, for this uh, uh, greeting card, postcard. No, it wasn't the greeting card. It wasn't. Okay. No, it was the other fundraiser. Oh, and I can't remember what it was. Yeah. The white cane. Oh yeah. White cane day. White cane week. They were, Uh, they were they were uh, concerned about the finances and how some cities got more than others and uh, the discrepancies. And then, anybody know the second question? Thank you, Livy. Anybody know the second part? Think of stuff that's going on today down in Florida, nationwide, but. No hands. Segregation. Oh yeah. Remember, it, it's popping. It's it's popping up its head. Segregation. So, who was Marie Boring? She lived from 1916, was born blind, and died in 2001. This is phenomenal to me. Who was Marie Boring?
well, I don't know what chapter this was in, but wasn't she quite involved with that Braille Free Press newspaper? Yeah, that doesn't come up yet. That hasn't come up yet. No. Well, that's that's later than 1955. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Let's they see. had a little cameo on her. That's why so, I stopped reading so far today. So no- she was a charter member of which new NFB affiliate in 1955? It's one of the Carolinas. North, North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah, Good. And she was elected to the NFB executive committee in, who remembers the year? 50, was that 56. Yes, sir. And she pissed off a lot of people because she won. She pissed off a lot of people. Not only that, she was was the first charter president of the North Carolina Federation of the Blind. And, yeah, she pissed off a lot of people because why? Why? She won by one she vote. She wasn't a white male. Right. <laughs> she won by one vote. She wasn't white. She wasn't male. Amen. So they wanted her to, they wanted to put her in her place. How dare you come out of the mold? So here's the point that I found to be most interesting. And you guys remember this? She fought for 20 amendments to the NFB Constitution, and had they been adopted, all of them were failed, had they been adopted, the Civil War never would have taken place. Profound. Can can you go into that a little more? For those of us who weren't there, obviously, and don't remember everything that had to do with what eventually became the Civil War? Well, uh, I mean, they just start talking about this right now, and that's the comment that at that convention, at the convention, they there were constitutional changes that were trying to be brought about, and a lot of it had to do with basically um, the rights of the blind of equal pay for uh, shelter workshop. Um, um, so um, basically it was La Raza, <laughs> the people. And so it's the same principles for which, uh, by which NFB and, and ACB differ today. And had those amendments been Adopted. Okay, Livy has her hand up. Go ahead, Livy. Well, I wasn't going to comment on that, but um, go go ahead. I I I raised it for something else, and I can't remember. <laughs> okay. Brain, brain freeze. Okay. Well, it'll come back. So that's the crux, and. I just find that as one of the most profound sentences in the whole book. And it wasn't only Marie Boring, but it was 
a lot of her doing. Okay. So who was Father Thomas J. Carroll? And why did he write to Tenbrook and have a, a friendly criticism? What was, was he his, the, uh, the guy that the Carroll Center was named after? Yes. Later, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But at that time, he was at the Catholic Guild for the Blind, mm-hmm. based in Boston, mm-hmm. Massachusetts. So, anybody have any comments about what he wrote? Liv- Livy. Well, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he have something to do um, with with the the Perkins um, School and way back uh, after whoever it was that had been um, been there, the guy I think his name was Adams or something that had been there like for 40 years, and then they ousted him, and then uh, this Father Carroll took over until I can't remember when, but. Um, you know, he was trying to, um, his heart was in the good place. He wanted Mm -hmm. to really help Mm -hmm. us. And, um, that was quite the hearing, you know, that was so right. But, um, I'm, I'm actually looking for this one certain event at the convention or at a, an event. So he, um, he commended Tenbrook for winning over an audience, quote, potential hot hostility to friendliness and admiration in, um, in, in quotes, in, in Quebec. And then two days later during the same event, um, there was a guy named Ray Rennie. Rainy, um, who seemed to to the audience, the audience was kind of sympathetic to this guy because he was kind of young and inexperienced, and and you know maybe had a his heart in the right place, but wasn't really um, talking about things that uh, Tenbrook agreed with, and Tenbrook came charging in and. Basically, um, you know, started chomping down at at uh, Roiny and seemed to be uh, like a Goliath, which caused the audience to turn its sympathy toward uh, Roni as as the David. So um, this again, um, you know, sometimes. We come on too strong. Sometimes we do become the Goliath. And, you know, we speak and, 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 uh, negate and, and demean and without even understanding that we're doing it. Um, and we become so strong that it weakens us. We become so strong in our having blinders on that we don't look um, and see the cracks in the walls, the cracks in the armor, 
and we become like the Trojan horse. So I have a big, long thing next about what were some of the important events of the 14th NFB convention held in 1955 in, ha, 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 Omaha, Nebraska. Yep. And where are we going in 2022? Same place. Well, same not place. quite the same place, different hotel. Right. But not the same hotel, but Omaha, Nebraska. So in in getting to Livy's um whose was that? Diana's? No, Diane? Mm-hmm. Or who who mentioned about the history and getting excited about there were seven states and there were twelve? That was and, me, Jeannie. Oh Jeannie, okay, that's what I thought. So now there are three hundred and forty delegates from thirty-one states, thirty-one affiliates. So that's pretty exciting in 1955. And then Joseph Clunk, who was um, um, president of the Association of, what is it? The American Association of Blind Workers, AAWB. He spoke in an address that talked about no one philosophy maintaining the thesis that various um, viewpoints may well be useful at various times in the many fields of work with the blind with blind people since changing page is what happens when you have hard copy girl. Uh, when no one philosophy is in itself adequate to meet all problems. And there was no information uh, indicating how this address was received by the NFB. There was only a one, uh, mention that it was given in the um, Matson book. Or no, in a, a report, sorry, in 1956. And a highlight of the, one of the highlights was a, a panel discussion uh, with blind attorneys discussing um, aspects of their practice of law. So that was really important. Um, there were a lot of blind attorneys and George Card and Kenneth Jernigan had conducted a survey of conditions um, of problems of the blind um, in Colorado after receiving a, an invitation by Herman Klein um, from Colorado Division of Rehabilitation for the blind, and upon receiving the results of this survey, the Colorado Governor Edwin C. Johnson implemented many of the survey's proposals. That was awesome. So the governor of um, Colorado was honored 
by the NFB with an award for Man of the Year. However, the little uh, clash was that Klein and Tenbrook um, had a little disagreement uh, that was written up in the commission report by Klein um, as to who had authority to do what regarding the blind in Colorado. And then Card reported, George Card reported on the World Council, WCWB, um, um, and he was surprised that he was uh, elected to the executive committee uh, of the WCWB. And then three affiliations were awarded. Colorado Federation of the Blind, the North Carolina Federation of the Blind, and the Oregon Associated Council of the Blind. So that happened in 1955. So that brings us up to um, um, an address by Tinbrook on the pros and cons of preferential treatment for the blind uh, which basically was not one of his better speeches and left the um, question of preferential treatment uh, unresolved And it was one of few speeches left out of Madsen's book. And then another thing uh, that happened was a resolution directed the president to appoint a committee to be uh, responsible for helping um, affiliates in reporting to the NFB on the expenditures of the greeting card money dispersed to them. There was, uh, at this time, what appeared to be great collaboration between McDaniel and Jernigan regarding a recruitment uh, push for employment of blind teachers in California and an appointment of Marcus Roberson, who took the lead in organizing the Texas affiliate, and then um, in a letter to McDaniels, um, um, from McDaniels, McDaniel, he was working on uh, a relationship with Albert Gonzalez from New Mexico, but he wasn't very positive about a New Mexico affiliate affiliating with NFB. On Jernigan's behalf, um, he asked Jernigan to um, send articles for the newsletter. And then Jernigan Jernigan, um, was reported to have supplied um, the information for reports that that, um, McDaniel asked for. And also he 
made a comment, quote, it might be a good idea to publish the article, what is the NFB, to a dis- um, that was distributed um, in Omaha because that was the most recent article that Jernigan had prepared. Um, and Jernigan imp- reported that he was both impressed with um, Roberson and hopeful uh, that both Texas and New York would be joining the NFB by the time of the next year's convention in 1956. Yes. By the way, it's um, I'll get this in while uh, while I have you. So uh, one, it's one fifty-two okay. p.m. Eastern. Okay. Any any comments? Short comments on this. No raised hands. No? Okay. Um, What was George Card up to in 1955? He was doing a lot of things. He was all over the place. Remember, he was basically in charge of the White Cane Program, White Cane Week Program, and the greeting card programs. So he was reporting on that. He became the new editor of the legislative supplement of the all-story Braille magazine as of January of 1956. And then um, a resolution was proposed that would increase the power uh, of the president to hire the and fire staff, um, but it was not um, adopted. What was the significance? Had what would have been the significance had um, this uh, resolution been adopted? This is about where I had to stop. So one had to do with Burson. And one had to do with money and McDaniel. No raised hands. No. Okay. So they were trying to kick Burson off of the advisory committee. And um, Tenbrook had offered McDaniel money in, in because of all his uh, traveling and everything and uh, McDaniel decided not to take the money because um, there was supposed to be no remuneration for um, the volunteer board of NFB so good ethics you hadn't um, George Card received a payment from the NFB and I mean, yeah, and returned it, or was that later in the book too? That was later in the book. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop at 
this one place that I wanted to be, I wanted to do a little bit more today, but um, I want to have a good discussion. So you guys, the next question that I'm going to ask next week is what was happening in regard to civil rights in 1955 and how did it affect the um, NFB and its affiliates? And it starts dealing with the um, North Carolina Federation of the Blind. That's where I left off. And I want to have a discussion because of diversity and inclusivity um, regarding this event. So um, any short comments? We have four minutes left. And so any Short, short comment from anyone? No hands. So do you want us to read the remainder of chapter three? Is that what we're looking Please. at next time? Okay. Please. But don't go into four. Chapter three. Okay. Oh, good. I can do that. <laughs> yeah. So read the remainder of chapter three and, and then, you know, I'll be asking more questions. But I, like I said, it's, this is the time to now start getting into some rhetorical discussion. Um, uh, so civil rights. Um, so I would like to thank Larry again for streaming. I'd like to take a thank you, get a, a Give a note of thank you to those of you who participated and read. And even if you didn't read, you were here because you're interested. Uh, I'd like to thank Diane Scalzi for hosting. And I appreciate everyone who's interested in the history of the American Council of the Blind. This is Christy Crespin ending discussion on July 27th, the day after the 31st anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act.